I think it's important just to point your compass towards joy. And play like you, be like you, and don't overthink it. Come on. Here we are, mate. Oh, we good are, times. Good times. I, I cannot tell you how fast my heart is beating right now. Now, are you extra nervous just because you know that this is finally being filmed? Or no. is it just because we haven't done one of these in a while? It's because of the internet. <laughs> I'm shaking in my boots. <laughs> I'm shaking. Come on, Elon Musk. Help us I out. I know. I'm literally shaking. I'm like, every time you, like you stopped a second ago, but you were just listening to me. I thought you had froze. I'm so used to just freezing (laughs) internet that I thought you had just frozen. But anyway, Elon has pulled it out of the bag, I think, because I've got good Okay, so explain what's going on with that. So with the Elon Musk thing, that means that you have Starlink now? I have Starlink. I have Starlink. It arrived, uh, took me about, God, it it was a long time. It was like four months, five months, maybe. Um, and it's just a dish that sits on either the top of your house, but in my situation on top of a, um, shipping container. And it's amazing, mate. It just, it constantly, well, it doesn't really constantly, but when, when there's a satellite that's gone behind a cloud, it moves to pick up another one. Really? Yeah. It just constantly moves to find like the best signal. The best signal. Wow. It's crazy, but it works, man. I mean, I was getting like two to three upload in here. And I just did it before this podcast and I'm hitting 20 meg upload. That's insane. Yeah, it I mean, is insane. You can stream 4K, no problem with that. Yeah, uh, so fingers crossed. I've picked it up a lot. If we start freezing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some strong words for Elon, but hopefully, touch wood, we're, we're all good. We're going to have to take that. I mean, I'm borrowing Bosch for sure. Um, I, I've definitely dropped that on Han and Juno a few times when they did something right. Like if I said, sit and they did it i went bosh um so i i love the bosh but and we don't have touch wood we have knock on wood um, oh you, yeah now you yep. say it mine's a bit fruity isn't it it's a bit fruity. i don't think so i don't know i mean <laughs> anything that's new to me is exciting because i've been i've been speaking california slang for a while i just had to so i filmed a groove by the way everyone welcome into drum with mike and eddie if you've never been part of this podcast please understand that it's just tangents we do have topics yeah. We mm-hmm. do have questions from our patrons and all of that, but we just go on tangents. So I was filming a groove that I uploaded to YouTube, an, an evolution of a groove that I uploaded to YouTube 10 years ago called the right. peppermint groove. Mm-hmm. And I tried to think like, how do I explain to everybody why it's not the peppermint groove, but it's literally spelled pep a mint. And I was trying to explain like, well, I'm in California. We're just idiots. And like the whole point was back in the day when, when, when someone would ask you, Hey, what was that thing you just did? And, and you didn't know, you would just say, Oh, I don't know. It's just a little peppermint for the kids. So it's like, I handed a piece of candy to the kids. It's a peppermint, right. but it's not a peppermint. It's a peppermint. And so trying to explain that to the camera and just admit like, look, we're just doing our best here in California. <laughs> We leave out letters. We add other ones. Just, just cut us some slack. Cut us yeah. some slack. I've, ne- I've never heard that before. There's, there's some American ones that I'm like, what is going on? I don't understand what anyone is talking about. I think the English have it worse, though. I think the, the English, the Scottish, some of the things the Scots say, oh, yeah. my Lord. No idea what they're going on about, mate. No idea it's, whatsoever. But. Honestly, like when we did the UK drum show. By the way, this is our first podcast I know. together like this since our little <laughs> tour but when we did the uk drum show some of the older 
men that were there. Two things. One, clearly COVID never happened in Liverpool <laughs> because the distance of these men that were like <laughs> over 60 to my face while they would go. So and I'm like, oh, you just sneezed in my face. Like, do yeah. you not have the news? Uh, yeah. That and then, yeah, I couldn't. It was like it was like 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 some marbles in the mouth, kind of like. And I, I'd just be like, and and you know, I mean, normally, no big deal. And by the way, I am one of the few Americans that admits it's your language. I'm in your country. It's all my fault. I fully admit that. But it's the noise of the UK drum show while somebody is speaking yeah. in a thick accent or a Scottish accent. I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a chance here, and I'm gonna throw out an answer to what you just said, even though I didn't understand any of it. I'm gonna go. I don't know. I think it just comes down to personal preference. And I just hope that that covers enough of the bases that we're all. I good. just, I just nod and say, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So, yeah. Big sign. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. cool, uh, cool. So you're in the storage container. Yeah, I'm here. You've got access to drums. I've got access to drums. I've got my beautiful SM7B, which the patrons, you know, thank you guys. This is a dream. Come. I feel like Joe Rogan now. I've got my I'm boom arm. too. Yeah. I went back to it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I, I, I knew you would in the back of my head. I thought we're videoing this now. We need, we need, we need mics that match. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's good, man. I've got my like DSLR there, a spare battery charging. I've got the light that is like it's like sitting next to the sun right now. Right. I can't dim <laughs> this bad boy down. I've got. Oh, that, I've that's got my, as low I, as it goes. That's as low as it goes. The ISO is on a hundred right now. Everything, everything is turned down. <laughs> Buddy, well, the I'm fact that you it, even know what ISO is now makes me so proud. Because episode one, you were like, "I don't understand. It's so bright in here." I'm like, "What's your ISO? Uh, it's low. It's like 1600." Yeah, I've got my shutter speed at one. I'm like, "Okay, that's great." <laughs> so every second, one one frame, you're doing great, man. Exactly. Uh, now you've got it all figured out. Now you're you're a cinematographer. All right, I have something special for you. I t- I told you this. And, and by the way, the fact that we had to move the podcast today meant that I didn't get to share this with social media because I wanted you to be the first to know. Okay. Technically, Amber knows, but but <laughs> it caused a fight. Okay. So a while back, you and I did an episode where we talked about the drums, our dream drum sets, the ones we would buy, things like that. Um, and and we've done that a couple times. I know I've mentioned that I've always wanted an ANF kit. I've wanted you know a Brady snare. But at some point I mentioned that the kit that I really wanted that I stay up all night looking for is made by Gretsch, but they only made 30 of them. And it's called a Gretsch River Cypress kit. And they made them about four years ago. I was the guy that demoed this kit for all the stores um, at the DW slash Gretsch factory. So I'm playing it, showing everybody what it can do. And basically the finish is a... It's called River Cypress because it's a cypress wood, but it was found at the bottom of a river uh, about 100 miles away from the Gretsch factory in South Carolina. It had been down there for about 100 years, and the edges of the logs and the edges of the wood, once they turned it into sheets, into veneers, they were darker than the middle. And so it had a natural burst that they didn't have to do anything to. So all of the drums are just finished in like natural lacquer. Nice. Um, I, rem- now, I think I remember seeing it. It's, yeah. E- and each drama is kind of different. Totally. hundred percent. So you just, uh, you there just take go. a little peek at your, uh, at your cell phone in a couple mm-hmm. seconds. Uh, so here's the crazy story. 
Listeners, <laughs> strap in. This is a long one. <laughs> okay, so basically, I mentioned that I wanted this kit, and I've been looking for it forever, and couldn't find it. They only made 30 in jazz sizes and then they made 30 in rock sizes. Every once in a while I could find the rock sizes and I was like, ah, it's the kit, but it's not the kit. I want the jazz sizes. I want the 18 inch kick. I want the 12 inch rack. I want the 14 inch floor. So been looking for about four years. Ever since I played it, talked to Jason McGurr from Death Cab for Cutie. They actually, Gretsch interviewed us at NAM that year and said like, hey, can you guys talk about the Gretsch River Cypress kit? And so we stood next to it. We talked about it. The problem is artists couldn't get these kits. So, and the reason why is they only made 30. And so those were promised to the Gretsch round badge dealers around the world that sell the most drums. They get one of these kits each. Here's the next problem. So Gretsch said, of course you can get one. You have to buy it, but you're going to have to buy it from a store. And I said, no problem at all. Every store I talked to, they said, well, the kit's already spoken for. I'm like, how is it spoken for? No one has even seen the kit yet. Because Gretsch does this every couple of years, these stores have a waiting list of people that have promised to buy it, even though they haven't even seen it yet. They just know they want the next anniversary kit, mm-hmm. the next special edition. So they're like, every store I talked to said, you'd be about the 20th person down. So 20 wow. people would have to pass on this kit once they see it before it would get to you. So anyways, I tried everything I could. I talked to Jason McGurry. He's like, yeah, I can't get one either. So basically for the last four years, I've been looking on Reverb.com, on Craigslist. Well. Our listeners said, pretty much said, okay, here's the deal. We found one. It's on guitarcenterused.com. And nothing against GC, but as much as I love drums, I love stories more than drums. If somebody came to my studio and said, oh my God, you got one. How did you get that? And my story was, oh, I got it on Guitar Center's website. Uh, hell no that's not the story i'm telling so i was like i'm looking at it on the website and it's for a great price and i'm like i'm not i'm not buying i i need more of a. it has to have more of an emotional attachment than that yeah okay this is by the way this is only like a week ago so i find i'm like all right walk away i send everyone their dms back like hey thanks so much i'm not gonna explain it but it's like i don't i want to buy it off of and it's not a guitar center thing it's just i don't want to buy it off of you know Toman.com. Like I know I you mean. Buy it off of, right? I, I want a story. Yeah. I want to see it at a, at a, in a in a pawn shop for eleven dollars. And I'm like, how the <laughs> hell did you end up with yeah, that? I fully get it. I fully okay. get it. So I'm like, it's over. I walk away from the deal. Then I go back the next night because I'm like, screw it. I'll invent a. St- I'll damn. I'll lie for that kit. I don't care. <laughs> Kit's gone. Um, like, no way. Waited four years. No big deal. It's gone. <laughs> All good. All good. I can move on with life. You know, I don't, I'm not that materialistic. So then a day later, I get a DM from a student that I used to teach personally when he was a kid. Well, he's a man now and he listens to the podcast. He saw the Guitar Center listing, didn't know about me knowing about it. And he bought the kit immediately so no one else could get it so that he could then offer it to me. Wow. So he snagged it up. Contact me. Wow. I haven't talked to the dude in a decade. This guy's a stud paramedic now. He's got a, <laughs> you know, got a family and a life and everything. He's like, I bought that kit. It's yours for the price that I paid. If you want it, if not, I'll keep it. I would love to have this beautiful drum set in my collection, but I bought it for you so that no one wow. else could get it. And so, what a legend! So he not only not only did he buy you the kit so no one else could get it, 
he gave you this story as well to tell Ex- on the podcast. That's the whole thing. Is oh my is, god, mate! So I, it is a. I just sent you pictures of it. Kit. Isn't it's it insane? Ridiculous. Like the middle bit <laughs> on the on the bass drum is unbelievable. It's like it's been painted on. Like it, it's it makes no sense in the middle of the drum. Wow. Imagine Beautiful having kit. this kit for the last two days and not being able to share it with social media because you had to push the podcast back a day. And I wanted you <laughs> to be the first to know. So I was like, damn, I'm sitting on these pictures. Wow. But, so uh, to Jeff Lant, uh, podcast listener, dear friend, stud of the universe. Yeah, he bought it so that no one else could have it and then he could offer it to me. Uh, wow. So he came by with it the other day and I just I couldn't stop just foaming at the mouth and it it's it's a different sound um it's weird so a a normal gretsch so this is a usa custom kit technically but a normal usa custom is maple uh, as Mm. far as the plies maple on the outside then four plies of gum wood and then maple so it's a maple you know maple bread with some gum meat in the middle what they did with this was that outer veneer of river cypress that took the place of the outer ply of maple. So it's still a six ply shell, but now it goes river cypress, gum, 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 and then maple. And I don't know how that one little ply on the outside has changed the sound. I'm sure a lot of it's placebo effect and it's all in my mind, but it actually sounds different than my other Gretsch kits. And it's such a joy to play. It's not going to be my main kit. The blue sparkle, broadcaster is my main kit but this is one of those kits that i've wanted for a long time i want to have it when i'm 70 years old and somebody's like hey mike johnston we heard you used to play drums can you come on down to the pub (laughs) river cypress kit man and so i i'm just i couldn't be more stoked jeff lant you are a true true legend and i absolutely appreciate you man so so how many of these are there in the world of that size there's 30 total 30 in the world in the world, yeah. Wow. That's nuts, man. Mate, I can't stop looking at it. The wood is insane. It's it's a it's a unique thing. And it's not, you know, it it, it was at the bottom of a river. So the wood from ply to ply is slightly different. And so the bass drum doesn't have the exact same graining as the rack tom, as the floor tom, and it has a matching snare. Um and it's the yeah. first oh, yeah. time I've ever Just had a matching that. snare and been like, I'm actually okay with this. Yeah, um, normally the matching snares are like, yeah, I'll just put that in the bin. Yeah, I'll just, yeah, I'll just, that's going to be my like little coffee table. I what, what is that? What? Okay, matching snares. I just realized it. Matching snares are kit lenses for cameras. Like throw that away. I got to go. I've never, ever used a snare that has come with my kit. Ever. It's like, just, just don't bother. It's fine. Yeah. I save the money. I don't want it. This one is like the snare is as amazing sound wise and look wise as the entire kit it's just absolute heaven wow. so Mate, couldn't that's be happier. Insane, man. but that's the power of this podcast none of that would happen without this podcast what can i ask for now what can i put out into the ether that i Oof. really want that i can't you, can't um get hold you have to be of. careful thing because is, you you might get it and then you're like okay i don't really want lars's kit no, I don't. I live. I don't it. have that big of a house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, flipping I out. I practice in a storage man. container. So yeah, All exactly. Right. There's no room in here for anything, basically. <laughs> Anything Before we move on, let's uh, welcome in all of our new patrons. Uh, if you want to support this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. It is the only way that this podcast can remain ad-free. And we've got a ton of new patrons in the last month or so. We have patrons. Simon Hull. Come on, Simon. Could you help me out with the last name? Si- Simon Kledgenstrup. Simon Kledgenstrup. <laughs> 
Tristan Arnold, Joseph Pyle, Ruben Zayas, Scotty J, Nick Tinsley, Tom Casper, Andrew Kavanaugh, Chris Scanlon, Oliver Kember, Mark Young, and quite a few others. So thank you wow. guys for supporting this podcast. Legends. That is how we cannot have advertisements from Manscaped. All right. Beautiful. Buddy. Mate, I can't, I can't believe this is the first podcast back after the whole thing we did. This is this yeah. is so weird to just see you through Zencaster again and not be in person. But yeah, it's, it's uh, what a trip that was, mate. I know we've spoken about it quite a lot. Actually, I guess we haven't because this is the we first. We haven't. We Yeah, we only talked wow. about the UK drum show. Oh my God. Um, yeah, what a trip that was, mate. I just wanted to say thank you for ev- to everyone who came down to the live podcast events, man. It was um, it was one of those things, you know, when you finish something that you've loved and it's been amazing and you talk to other people about it, you can never do it justice. Like if, every, even my mum was like, how was it? And I was like, it, it's just, it was amazingly crazy, basically. Me and my mate were having a conversation in front of other people and it worked and people loved it and we loved it. So um, I just want to say thank you to everyone who came down, man. What, what, a, what an adventure that was. Yeah, that was an amazing, amazing time. And to uh, Drummers Only, Drumazon and Kim from Music Workshop, just for mm. helping us out and putting all of, just trusting that it would even work. You know, I mean, what, you know, that first one, when, when Drummers Only started <laughs> setting up those 30 chairs, I was like, we could we could just take it down to 15. There's a decent <laughs> chance no one is showing up to this thing. Let's let's not have a bunch of empty chairs in the pictures, but it yeah. it worked and it was a celebration of the drumming community. It was a celebration of drummers themselves and just how wacky and and weird we all are and we have our quirks, but we share those quirks with each other and it's what allows us to all get along so well. It was it was incredible, man, and you know, through that time, especially the the thing that most people didn't get to see, obviously they got to hear the podcast, but through that time, there's also these four to five to six hour drives that you and I are doing where it was just a chance for us to get some hang time without it being a podcast, without it being a drum camp, without it being NAM or the UK drum show. It's just you and me in a hired van, you know? And, yeah. and I, I really, I, I'm really happy that we had that time just to get to know each other on that level also it's it's kind of like finding out okay yeah we could do a podcast and we could host a drum camp together could we do a six-hour drive in traffic that's a little frustrating <laughs> mate that for that first drive oh, oh my, my lord mate i was thinking to myself thank god we actually get along because this is this could have been living hell sharing percy pigs in the front of a van for eight hours straight could have been could have been a difficult a situation <laughs> yeah but it, it, it was amazing man i mean like oh my god thinking back to it now i just want to go and do it again i want to stand in the hotel lobby lobby order some pie and then scoot off to our rooms because we're too embarrassed to eat in front of each other. I'd love to do that again. <laughs> I'd love for that. Dude, that moment. That moment where we both ordered. What What are those pies called? Steak and, um, steak, steak and ale pie. Yeah, Steak yeah. and ale pie. We get, the, we get the pies delivered to us as we're waiting in the lobby. We both look down at the plate of steak and ale pie, mash, a little bit of veg. We look each look at each other and go, yeah, I'm not eating this in front of you, dude. And we just like separate and go to our own rooms. <laughs> you, you don't, you don't need oh to see this. Oh my god! I think it was a steak and kidney pie, actually, mate. It was one of those like pies where I was sat in front of a mirror. I don't know why I did this. I sat there in front of a mirror eating this pie and chips, thinking, I'm getting married in about four days. What am I? I need to be fasting, not eating a steak pie with chips. <laughs> oh my lord! But so honestly, good. man, it was amazing. And I, I just. 
I loved it and I can't wait to do something like that again. And um, yeah, absolutely. yeah, it was it was just it was just the best thing. But now it's time to well, now it's time for you to do about fifteen thousand drum camps. So, oh uh, my god! Well, <laughs> let's just not skip over the the obvious. You got married. Oh yeah, since I the did. last podcast, I did. Here's the ring. Here's oh, the ring. Oh my little, goodness! Little Frodo Baggins over here. Um, yeah, yeah, man. I got um got married. It was amazing, man. It was amazing. I thought. I was, I thought I was going to be very stressed out and like tired and frantic on the day. And it, it, it wasn't, it was just like a very enjoyable day. You, you popped up on the wall, which was amazing. Basically what I mean by that, buddy, what I mean by that people is, uh, yeah, Mike sent me a video and he played it when the other best men were doing their speeches and stuff. And it was, it was wicked, man. It was, it was such a cool day. And I wore a kilt. I I saw that the whole, all the guys wore kilts. Yeah. All the guys wore kilts, yeah. And it was it was amazing, mate. I think I might continue the kilt thing at other people's weddings. I might be that guy. <laughs> really? You just show up to Okay, cool. Well I'm gonna yeah. maybe Amber and I'll renew our <laughs> vows just so I can have you show up in a kilt. <laughs> I will do it, mate. I will be there. I will well, be congratulations, there. Congratulations, my friend. <laughs> Cheers, I'm very excited for you. Very excited for Rona. All right. So yeah, I do have uh camp starting this Sunday. Um got eight camps. Uh, this time I'm doing, let's see, I think it's four intermediate camps, three right. advanced camps, and a teacher camp. Then you and I have a camp that's getting put on the books as we speak. Do you remember what month that was? Was it September? Se- September, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, guys, uh, for all of the, especially the patrons, keep your ears out. We will tell you the dates. You guys will get a 24-hour head head start. You'll get the heads up 24 hours early on the Patreon page about what those dates are. You'll be able to sign up. There are only eight spots. And then if the if it doesn't sell out through the Patreon page, then we'll move it to the general public. But yeah, so it's it's going to be, you know, I mean, that's basically what we're talking about today is that, that shift. <clears throat> Being able to shift your focus from one part of your career to another. And when you're an artist in any form, doesn't have to be music and definitely doesn't have to be drums, but when you're an artist in any form you might have quite a few different ways to make a living through your art. You might be involved somehow in the retail side of things and you might need to, you know, work at a shop or you, I don't know, maybe somehow you work with a manufacturer, but then there might also be a teaching aspect to your job or there might be a performance aspect to your job. And for you and I, we seem to have seasons. It's not as random as like, Oh, I don't know what I'm doing from day to day. I have my full season of, focus in the online world mikeslessons.com instagram and youtube that's my focus 24 7 this podcast everything's digital Mm -hmm. but then at some point the season changes which is usually right about now as soon as may hits which when we get is when we get our nice weather here then all of a sudden it's it's in person and it's people in my space that I've become very accustomed to being alone in, mm-hmm. it's just people, you know? And then you just hear like this. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's cool, man. Don't worry. Yeah, it's uh, only my like 50,000 pound camera. Don't worry about it. Sweet, always, sweet. <laughs> you know, it's one of these like, ugh. oh, sorry about that. I'm like, oh, it's cool, man. No worries. Yeah, I'm just um, using the snare that came with the kit as a stool. Yeah, don't worry about that one. Use that one, actually. <laughs> this, this is the worst one. Oh, uh, Mike, do you have a towel? <laughs> mm-hmm. Is it matcha? Yeah. Okay. 
I got you, bro. Yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, so just that adjustment, um, that's a thing. And then for you, what would you think your biggest focus shift in the year is? <laughs> I think for me, it's um, so one of them last year was coming to your camp. That was a big, big like, oh, my Lord, I'm actually going to have to see people what you're going through again now basically but for me it's the whole getting getting used to like playing live and playing with other musicians again and like learning songs and being in that sort of intense environment even if they're your best mates even if you've played with these guys before it's uh it's a different sort of feeling when like you sat in a room and you've got a guitar player and a keys player and a singer and it's time to like learn a song or learn something on the spot and not make a mistake it's completely different um uh, and, and, but I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it, man. I was talking to a friend yesterday about like basically the joys of being a musician and, the, and how to do it for a long time. And, and what he's found is working for him at the minute is doing loads of different things. And that's the same for me, man. I'm like, I love the fact that, you know, I, I, my focus shifts from, from one thing to then talking in a podcast situation and then teaching online or recording a, a video or whatever it may be, but then jumping into a live setting. I love it, mate. And I honestly think that is the key to being able to do the drums, being a drummer. That is the key to doing it for a long period of time. man. I absolutely love when your focus is shift shifted. I love it, man. But yeah, my biggest one is definitely being in a room with real, you know, real humans and having to like learn music and play music and have it sound good. And, you know, deal with those sort of adrenalines and stuff like that. Um, and those nerves. I think it's, it's such a different thing, like, especially what you're doing, but real quick before we get into what you actually do and how you make it all work and my camps and all that stuff for the American audience, can you explain the difference between Charlie and busted? Cause sometimes you say, yeah, I've got some shows coming up with Charlie. And then sometimes you say, I got some shows with busted. And I'm like, but is Charlie in busted? But I don't, we don't know what that whole yeah, thing okay. is. So break it so, down for our listeners. So Busted is Busted. Busted is like, you know, big, big shows. And then okay. Charlie has his own solo stuff, which is like smaller shows. But And Charlie you know, is in Busted. And Charlie is in Busted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlie it. is in Busted. So, um, so yeah, even that is a complete focus shift because Charlie's music, his solo project stuff is like kind of Bonnie Ver, sort of relaxed, folky, mixed with pop, current pop. And then I've got to sort of, you know, relearn everything and play in a rock setting. And even that is a big shift, even with your gear, even with the tuning of your kit. It's like, sure. okay, cool. We've got to adapt here and become a, a musical comedian, so to speak. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's the probably the biggest one for me. But I assume the biggest one for you is like what you're saying. You've got 10 people coming to your your house essentially and they're going to be there every single day waiting on what you're going to say and how you're going to say it and it must be so intense mate i mean i've only experienced a three-day camp with eight people god knows what it's like doing it on your own 10 times yeah a year. it's it's different you know i mean i think the the biggest thing that i've learned um and you got to experience it from me this morning when i i literally i wonder <laughs> if i have the last voice note <laughs> Just because I, I think people, I, I know I didn't say anything bad, but uh, let's see. Bro, struggling doesn't even begin to describe where I'm at right now. So just give me like five more minutes and I'll, I'll be ready. I'm almost done now. Okay, so that's the reality. Like I love we were it. trying to start this podcast and I was like, I'm, 
I'm in a bit of trouble here. Like <laughs> what I've learned is that I can choose when that thing is going to happen. And so here's, here's an example. Three to five years ago, I would have felt like that on day one of camp. What I've learned is I need to do it all before they ever arrive. So once they arrive, I'm all good. I've, I've done everything. So when I said I, this morning I'm struggling, that's because I got here at 7 a.m. and started pre-recording YouTube content for next week, Instagram content for next week. I was doing all of these things. So it's like, let me get the stress out now and be in full chaos mode now. And then basically when the campers arrive Sunday at 6 p.m. for their orientation, I'm good. It's all done. I, I've prepped my ass off where, like I said, three years ago, that would or five years ago, that would have happened on their day one. I would have still been scrambling to get things done. I would have told you, oh, yeah, we can just do the podcast on Sunday. Now mm-hmm. I'm experienced enough to know, like, we cannot do it on Sunday. <laughs> I need this off my plate. So yeah. <clears throat> there's a bit of that. And then the reality, too, is the the focus shift. And I think this is where we can... <laughs> excuse the pun, but shift into helping other people that are listening right now. The reality of the focus shift is you're trying to shift your focus and your, your mindset into a place that's better than if you just left it all up to chance. And one of the things that's very tough for me is to find the balance of like, who am I over the course of five to six days with these campers that it's, it is tough. There's no way to get around that. Like the questions don't pile up the, you know, the stress of wanting them. The biggest stress I have is wanting them to get better. Mm. So I'm so emotionally taxed out by trying to be on this journey with eight individuals, make sure that they're all keeping their attitudes up. You know, like I can't let this ship sink. And a lot of them are going to be struggling for an entire week. So how do I keep their minds in the place where they're like, yes, I am struggling, but I'm only struggling because I'm trying to improve. This is yeah. actually this horrible feeling is actually a massive positive because I've been cruising for the last 10 years of my career. Now I'm here at camp and I'm really focusing on improving. And so I have to shift my focus. I have to start almost meditating and really thinking about the whole week and how what's what's Wednesday like when they're really starting to get a little unsure about their skill set and their talents. Like, how am I ready to pick them back up? And I used to leave that to the moment. Oh, it'll be fine. I'll figure it out. I know that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Preparation equals relaxation. I have to over prepare. I have to over analyze all this stuff so that when the moment comes, it's like, it's fine. I, I have, I, I'm in this place with you guys instead <coughs> of just being like, oh my God. I didn't mentally prepare and I, I kind of thought I'd show up today and film some videos, but there's right. all these people here. Right? Definitely. I feel like, mate, you just summarized it so perfectly then. I think like when you have to shift focus on anything, it's all about preparation. I, I, I actually, for some weird reason, think that I don't really prepare for many things. And in reality, I, I do massively before I even yeah. walk into like a rehearsal room. I know the set like the back of my hand, the rehearsal room is the gig for me. Do you know what I mean? Totally, yeah. And I think, and it's like, mate, I, I do not understand these people who rock up to her. I've, I've had conversations with guys, session guys who are like, do their thing. Right. And I'm like, you know, do you ever get nervous about making mistakes in rehearsal? And they're like, no, nah, that's, that's what it's for. And I'm like, you are on some drug because I don't, I, <laughs> you are meant, what are you on about? 
Like when you're in that <laughs> rehearsal room and if it's a big gig, you've got a lot of people there. And yeah. if the artist isn't there, the manager is and the PA is and all these kind of people. That for me is more terrifying than the gig. So I always prepare. So I think, yeah, the biggest thing to that I sort of uh, am realizing now is that actually when I have to shift focus on anything, I'm preparing so much more than more more than I ever ever thought. Even even doing this, the podcast when we when we talk about you know different subjects and whatever, I'm always in the car um, or wherever I am, just thinking, okay, how can I break this down? How can I make sense? How can I do this? And I think like preparation is just so so important when you're a drummer, especially if you teach and perform. Those two things are so so different, aren't they? Yeah, but I mean and because they're so different you never get to just rely on it'll be fine you know what mm-hmm. i mean if you think about a busted gig let's just let's just say that you guys are doing a little warm up gig a little warm up gig for the kids just 10,000 people <laughs> no big deal little peppermint so okay well dude you've played to 10,000 people a million times like it's no big deal you don't need to prepare for the uk drum show it's only going to be you know maybe 1,000 people it's like it doesn't work like that it's a focus shift And that focus shift means it's a completely new environment. Even if you're going from playing with Busted and then you drop it down to like a 500 seater and it's still one of the guys from Busted. It's like, but it's not. It's it's a totally different dynamic. It's a different approach. It's a different mindset. You know, even Mm -hmm. probably how you physically perform and swing your arms on the kit's got to be a lot different for a, you know, a mellow folk song with charlie yeah. than it is with you know freaking pyro shooting off behind you at a busted show <laughs> yeah in an arena. That, that will get you going <laughs> <laughs> i might die at any moment but there's nothing better than fire honestly mate it's like it's literally like a dragon going hi mate you're right and you're just like oh yes how crazy is it, it that people that go to shows think that somehow there's fake fire <laughs> yeah, heads up i've done pyro it's it real it's hot, hot. It immediately takes your breath away. It's it's something else. Totally. I love it. I remember the first time we played with Pyro and here in the UK, I don't know what it's like over there, but the first Pyro that we could afford was CO2. So it's just okay. like steam. You know, the steam yeah, ones, it sure. just goes, yep, yep. Yeah, yep. those ones. I remember the first time we played with Pyro, I was like, that's it, boys. We, we have done it. We are bringing Pyrotechnics on tour. There was like two of them at the front of the stage. And I remember the cue. So the song was the, the song with Pyro was starting. And I think it was like the first chorus or something. And I was getting ready for it. I was like, here we go. Do you know what I mean? The crowd are going to be blown away. The guy pressed it. I can't remember who it was. It might have been the drum tech or guitar tech. Pressed the button. No joke. It was like, it was like someone farted. Do you know what I mean? It was like, it was like slowly just going. <laughs> It was so weak that it didn't even hit the height that it should have. It just sort of died oh. on its way up. Um, but anyway, time. man. Yeah, but anyway, man. Like my uh, my focus definitely shifted in that moment. I was like, right, do not rely okay. on pyrotechnics. Put on a good gig. Yes. But um. But yeah, man. It is. It is true. Like when you performing is is complete. Like okay, I've got to shift my focus onto. I've got to play quieter or I've got to do these yeah. things and that you can't blag that stuff, man. You've got, you've got to prepare for that sort of thing. You got to prepare. Yeah. And I, I think also too, like even this podcast is a good example. We were going to record this yesterday. You know, I was joking about us moving it back a day, but 
preparation was the reason why we didn't record it. We were trying to get all the camera stuff dialed. This is season two. We wanted to make sure we were filming this stuff and we've got a, you know, a new Instagram page coming and a YouTube channel that we're going to be uploading to again and all these things. And it's like, well, we're not there yet. We're we're both scrambling around. You know, <laughs> I was trying to. <laughs> I, you you were playing sailing. I was stood here <laughs> thinking, oh my god, like I I need a HDMI cable. Haven't got that. My microphone's at home. But it's true, man. It's it's um. Yeah, it's like well, then we're not ready. You know, we mm-hmm. have to prepare and shifting our focus from whether it's me getting ready for camp, you getting ready for some shows, to a podcast. It is a thing, and I I think that that's the you know I don't want to beat this thing into the ground. Obviously, between Busted, Charlie, Drum Clinics, your future drum camp here, your upcoming Zoom lessons, you launching your Patreon page, you have a lot of different mindsets going on all at the same time. Obviously, I have the exact same thing going on. I think what we're trying to tell everybody at home is that when you have those things, don't wait until the moment shifts. You have to shift your focus a few days, a few weeks ahead of time. And mentally prepare for this stuff. You cannot just rely on, well, I'm experienced. I've, you know, I'm coming up to camp 109, 109 camps here, and then another, you know, five or six around the world. And I'm still preparing this week. I've been preparing this week like it's my very first drum camp. You know, I'm I'm upstairs on the practice kit in the house going through the entire curriculum while Amber's downstairs watching Netflix and I'm try like I'm literally clapping rhythms out loud and speaking while doing it, thinking, well, I don't have to play this curriculum. That's easy. What I can't do is play this curriculum while staring at eight people staring back at me and speak to them naturally yeah. and still play <clears throat> these grooves and not have to sight read them. So that's what it's all about. Whatever that is for you in your lives out there, it just comes down to preparation equals relaxation. If you yeah. over prepare when the moment finally comes, when you go to that rehearsal with the MD staring at you and the artist shows up and doesn't even meet any of the players, but just is like, all right, let's do it. You're <laughs> the one that's overly prepared and you start to just kind of your shoulders drop. and You're like, you know what? I've, I put in the time. I, mm-hmm. I can do this. So that's yeah. a, a good thing. All right. We have a new segment on the podcast because it's season two, bro. Season two, mate. Season two. <sighs> okay, I know this thing has an acronym because I sent it to you. So I'm going to look it up because I don't remember. <laughs> okay. OFDP. OFDP. That's O-F-D-P. our favorite drum parts. Oh, now, beautiful. It was originally going to be called OFP, but our favorite parts sounded a little <laughs> sliding in the DMs, a little pornographic. Like, yes, a little bit. Mike and Eddie's favorite parts. Not yeah. good. You know, yeah. we mean drum parts, but still, someone can take it out of context. Uh, there's already. Too many little videos of me watching you play at the UK drum show with little hearts floating <laughs> over my head. And some oh, mate. I, ha- I was going to post this video of you playing um, yesterday, I think it was. And no word of a lie, I was right in the caption. This this is this is true. Um, and Rona went, um, yeah, are you going to post a picture of um, the wedding? And I was like, <laughs> she, did, she didn't know I was posting a video of you. She didn't know I was okay. posting anything. But it was just like this random thing of like, oh, um, I really want the picture. So are you going to post um, this picture? And I was like, thank God you actually just said that. Because I was just about to post a video of Mike. 
<laughs> oh. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll get the wedding ones done, and then, I'll, and then I'll, and then I'll do the whole mic one. Uh, that that would probably be the smarter option. I think I that's it. I, you know what? I get it. It's a smart play. I, I'm not, I'm not offended in any way. So this is our favorite drum parts. <clears throat> Each week, we'll be showing you instead of breaking down a fill or breaking down a groove, it's it's just a celebration of parts. And this actually came up from when we were doing the podcast tour. Eddie was showing me. Travis, his son's favorite drum part. And he was like, this is the thing he's obsessed with right now. And I don't want to spoil it now because I think we should use it next week. Definitely. But yeah, um, he was like, this is Travis's favorite part. And I just thought like, wow, you know, I think maybe because of our shortened attention span and the TikTok world we're living in that we start thinking in these one bar phrases of like, what's that groove? What's that fill? What's that Mm -hmm. lick? And it's like, "Ah, but that's not what makes something. I, I don't really ever I don't show anyone a song and say check out this lick you know unless i'm trying to demo something specifically but generally it's like the part the part is the thing you know Mm -hmm. and so we are going to check out some of our favorite parts now this first one is in each week it'll we'll just switch back and forth this will be mine then eddie Mm -hmm. will do it next week all right so there is a (laughs) band there is a band uh for those of you over 35 you don't need an explanation but those of you under 35 you do there's a band called Filter, and I won't go into my personal attachment to the band, but I can say that their drummer, Steve Gillis, was and is probably my favorite rock drummer of all time. I don't know of any wow. influence I've had that is bigger in the rock world than that. Even Abe Cunningham from the Deftones, Chris Robine from Far, those are my heroes for sure. But spending time on tour with Filter and watching Steve play every day I remember on a daily basis saying, that's what I want to be when I grow up while I was grown up. You yeah, know, I was just, yeah. saying, I mean, I was in my twenties and I was just thinking, well, yeah, I, I do want to be a rock drummer, but he's, he's an all around jazz drummer, funk drummer, fusion. He's a professional drummer. You yeah, know, yeah, I felt yeah. like a professional rock drummer. He's a yeah. professional drummer. Yeah. And he was what I wanted to be. And so anyways, if you don't know the band filter, I'll just give you a little reminder. So this is probably one of their most famous songs. It's okay, called cool. Hey Man, Nice Shot. Um, we'll let the chorus hit. <laughs> yeah, we'll give it a go. It's CO2. Come on. Yep. <laughs> All right. So that's that's Beautiful. the band filter. This is the and at that point, there's no um that's not Steve Gillis on drums, but that was his first single. Okay. So by the time that I was out on the road with them and my band was opening for them and stuff, um, they were on to a different album. Anyways, long story short, this is Steve Gillis. This is a song called, I think it's called Walk Away or it might be called You Walk Away. Anyways, it's from the album Amalgamut. The first 16 bars of this song, I think is some of the most brilliant rock drumming I've ever heard in my life. And it's one of those moments where you're like, that's risky. I don't know if you can get away with that one. And he did, and it's incredible. So check out this amazing intro part by Steve Gillis. Okay.
Wait for the double kick. I got free. That's where you do a little Yes, stick twirl while you do the double kick. Wow, that was nice. That was very, very nice, mate. I know what you mean. That is a solid part. That is a solid, solid part. That's a a written part that's written to enhance the song. Mm -hmm. It it goes from this little intro thing where you're like, oh, kind of squash drum tones. Like, man, that ain't the drum tones. Four bars later, <laughs> bam, we're in with an upbeat bell and a little and then oh, oh just, man, I love it. Can we do one the more old, time? Yeah, do it, yeah, smash it. Kick drop sounds insane. Yeah, I mean that was, you know, uh, Ben Gross was the one that I believe mixed that. I I know right. he mixed um, Title of Record, which is the album before this, but he probably mixed that as well. Um, he mixed our second record, and so that those drum tones were like that was my basically blueprint for like, well, yeah. just do that. And I remember <laughs> yeah, Ben yeah, being yeah. like, I remember Ben being like, but you're not in filter, and I was like. <laughs> Wait, are you saying my drums won't sound like that? And he was like, no, I'm saying I already mixed that album. And that's yeah. when I realized that producers and mixing engineers were artists themselves. He was like, no, I already did that. I'm not I'm not slapping those samples on your drums. We're going to see what comes out when you play them. And we're yeah. going to find our drum tones. But that part, and then especially too, like the second that little double kick's done, he hits the crash, vocals come in, and he goes to... Gosh, God. Yeah, love all that. that chaos is out of the way. The singer's in, get out of the way. Mm-hmm. But to be given, you know, I think that was maybe 16 bars up top where it's like, it's not a drum solo, but it's a drum feature. Yeah. Just, yeah. When he, when he went, um, guys, I've got an idea. The band went, oh, here we go. Here we go. And it, <laughs> it took them like a good 20 minutes to go. Actually, that is very good. Yeah. That, that, that it's is, yeah, we'll, we'll give you that one, but that's the only one yep. on the album you're getting. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's it. Thanks, Just enjoy God. it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, totally. But it is it is beautiful. So that is my favorite drum part for this week. We're going to be doing this every week just to showcase some things that need a little bit of light shown on them. And we will do it every week. It'll just go back and forth between me and Eddie. Um, and if you have suggestions, throw us some suggestions on the Patreon page. We'd love to hear your suggestions for your favorite drum parts. It is time now to feature those amazing patrons. Uh, we are going to do some Q&A. If you want to be part of the Q&A section, just head on over to Patreon.com. The link is in the description below. Patreon.com forward slash drum with Mike and Eddie and sign up to become a patron and support this podcast. Your support is what makes this podcast actually happen. Uh, we didn't mean to, but this episode kind of showcases we're kind of busy right now. So <laughs> I know. I'm telling you the Patreon support is needed because it's getting really hard to do this. Not to mention dude that whole tour that i mean every day we we would we had on eddie's phone like our patron fund and it yeah. was like can we have dinner tonight and he would look and he go we have 62 pounds left i'm like get yeah. the steak and ale pies get going. another Let's pie 
get another pie. I'm going straight to my room. I'll see you in the morning, mate. I'll send you a selfie from the mirror of me shoving oh. this down my throat. Mate, honestly, that, oh. is one of the, uh, that was one of the happiest moments of my life when I found out you were uh, a, a, um, a eating your hotel room type of guy. Because I tell you what, there's nothing better for me. I'm delivery straight to the room. <laughs> Closing the door. Let me just be a pig in my own in my own room. Leave me alone. Basically, the theme of of our tour behind the scenes was no one needs to see this. Like <laughs> that was just we'd get like so our, we'd go to like the the gas stations or the petrol stations, grab a bunch of things that no one should eat, and then it was like, yeah, I'm just gonna take this to my room. No yeah. one needs to yeah. see this. Yeah. All right, let's get into those questions from those amazing patrons. Here we go. First up. Adam Stanley. Hey guys, it's Adam from Watford here. Um, just want to say how much I enjoyed your presentations at the UK Drum Show. You know, both the educational ones and your main presentations. They were just both really great. Like, super inspiring, um, you know, some staggering technique and, uh, you know, sounds going on there. Just super smooth um, and super human as well. Not super human, but very human. <laughs> um, and... The one I wanted to ask at the time, but I didn't get the chance, sadly. I, I, I did meet you both, but didn't get the chance to really have a chat. Um, so I wanted to, I, what, what I wanted to ask was, with your phrasing, and especially with Eddie's playing, I think because, you know, he's the one I followed more closely in a, a song context, is you managed to keep, you managed to sound like you're always like at least one step ahead of the music um, and everything is really fun and all, it has that kind of like, first time playing this song feeling to it um and i just want to know what you tap into to get that um because it's it it's that's where the effortless mastery thing comes from you know that's why you sound so good it's not necessarily the speed and fluidity with which you do you know these technical things you do although obviously that is that's that's part of it but it's there's that energy that's there it's that kind of indefinable thing you know, what do you, what do you tap, what did you, what have you done over the years to develop that? Surely that's something you've sort of consciously developed. I mean, I tend to, you know, because I'm so hell bent on creating like the perfect part for a song and I do get there, but it's always that journey from like the first time you play something, which is where you're just pulling the most amazing or seemingly amazing stuff out. And then the more times you play the song, the more it kind of gets sort of edited down. And then you, you sometimes lose that like initial, like bang, you know, you know what I mean? That, like that pop of energy, that inspiration. And when I'm watching you both play, that inspiration was just like, it was just felt so clear and clean throughout, you know, through, through all those performances. And I know you've played those songs many times before, so maybe that's part of it, but I, I do think that's something that, that we can all learn from, from people like you. So yeah, that's actually the question I wanted to, to ask on the weekend. The other thing is uh, I saw me and Eddie got a coffee at a similar time from the upstairs coffee stand and, I wondered if you also found that it was not only hotter than the sun, but probably the worst coffee I've ever had in my life. I think I spent about six pounds on a bag of sweets and this, 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 um, mouth, mouth warping, tasteless coffee. <laughs> anyway, guys, I'm just sorry I'm going on a bit, but, um, it, I just really enjoyed the performances and I found them extremely inspiring. Uh, and yeah, great to briefly meet you both as well. Thanks. Awesome. 
Great question. Great question. Awful coffee. Yes, I agree. And it was hotter than the sun. Um, it definitely, definitely was. Um, mate, I th- honestly, man, I think like what I aim to do when I'm playing any sort of song is it goes back to what we were talking about in this podcast really is preparation. Just like shift your focus towards like being able to not think be like just pure muscle memories coming out, the feels that you know work, the the phrases that you know work, the phrases that you like, and just be able to know the song like the back of your hand. And that's when the magic happens. Like I always used to think <clears throat> a good example is when you record um, in the recording process of recording like an album or whatever, I always found that after two, three tours of playing that that music, the new music, I always thought, wouldn't it be amazing to go back and re-record all these parts? Because I'm more comfortable with the music. I know what works live. Um, I know what translates in a bigger room. I know what works in a smaller room. I know what the vocals are doing now, more so than I did. So I always used to think like, oh, wouldn't it be amazing to go back and I could I could play this part that I wish I came up with. And I think that's what I learned quite quite quickly is, mate, just get to the point of knowing the music like the back of your hand. Like, you know what the bass player's doing, the guitar player's doing, the structure, the vocals, and you've got this catalogue of things above your head and you can just pull from them. And I think that's what I strive to do. And I think that's when I'm, when I'm playing a song, it is like, okay, I'm just going to try this. I'm going to try that. And I think that's when, I think that's when the magic happens. So it, in all, in all honesty, mate, it's just preparation, just knowing the music so so well that you can sort of do anything um and it and it and it kind of it kind of works but yeah knowing that knowing the music man knowing the music is so important i agree i think that you mentioned something quickly there though that i think is the missing link to all of this is playing the things that you enjoy you know there's there's nothing worse than a part coming up in a song that always gives you fits and you spend mm-hmm. the whole song just being like, I just hope I get through that little part going into the bridge because then you're obsessed on the wrong things. You're not thinking about trying to make the music feel good. You're, not, you're just trying to make sure you don't flub that part. And so it's like, well, what if we swap that part out with your favorite lick ever? Just two six stroke rolls right into the downbeat of one. And it's mm. like, well, then I would never think about it. And it's like, well, then why don't you just do that? Like, Yeah, exactly. Such a good point. Know, I, I don't need to play things that I've never played in my life. It's not, you know, avant-garde jazz ex- ex- exploration theater. Like I'm just going to play the things that I like. And um, I think that that's the, the key is like when you have that joy, not to, you know, overuse a, a phrase too much, but when you're pointing your compass towards joy and you're really thinking about like, all I want to do is play the things I like to play. Cause I like to play them. It just takes, it, it, it allows you to smile while you're playing, you know? And yeah. it's like, you know, so yeah, and I noticed that too. I mean, what Adam said about your playing, I did notice that it never ever sounded like you were playing tracks at all. It sounded like you were living inside the song. And it, I watched you, you know, because I watched both of your educational performances and your main stage stuff. So some of the songs I probably heard four times throughout the weekend because I think <laughs> on your second um, educational performance you played one of the songs twice, just to kind of reiterate the point after you explained what was going on it always felt fresh, you know? Um, and so I think Adam's onto something. And I think, like you said, it's preparation, just knowing it backwards and forwards. The other thing is, I think as clinicians, we have something that a lot of people don't get a chance to do, or maybe they, they do have the chance. They just don't know they should do it, but we have all of our tracks drumless. 
So we get to listen to the songs without the drums clouding up the song. We get to it's like, oh, so that's what the bass does there. Mm. I always played. Yeah. I never heard it because I was playing drums. Yeah. So when you have drumless tracks of your own band, you hear things that you've never heard before. And it actually makes you play with the band so much better the next time you see them in person. Like, hey, guys, sorry about the whole chorus thing. I didn't know any of you guys were doing that. <laughs> I never heard it. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, so yeah, it's, exactly. it's a pretty cool thing for sure. Yeah. All right. Lovely. On to the next question. Great Mr. Question. Carlos. I'm not even going to try the last name. Hi, I have a question for Eddie. When you became a dad, uh, did it affect your career? And also, do you have any tips for a new dad? Thanks. <laughs> Wow, Carlos keeps it short and sweet. Wow, I love it. Adam Stanley and Carl, mate, I love it. Polar <laughs> opposites. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm giving dad advice, mate. Um, it's um, efficiency is a thing. Efic- efficiency is a thing. Like you know, I used to come and, and practice, and I would just play and play and play, and not really get much work done. But for example, if I'm learning Charlie's set from Busted, but it's solo stuff. If I was learning his, well, I was a couple of weeks ago. I would come in here and give myself a couple of hours and I would just be a little bit more efficient. I don't like missing his bedtime and stuff like that. So efficiency is something that I would definitely um, get used to and sort of become, I, I think you should make efficiency your best friend. Um, but that's that's about as far as I can go with the advice, mate. Rona does. <laughs> Rona takes care of everything, mate. So my life hasn't changed too much. I was a bit worried about that. I'm not going to lie. But um, yeah, I still got the freedom to do stuff and, and efficiency it's just made me more efficient especially when it comes to learning and just getting things done it's definitely made me more efficient it's probably yeah. the way that all of us should be because we waste so much time thinking we're getting some stuff done where we're really not you know mm. um nothing like seeing that little reminder from apple that says your screen time has gone up 37 percent this week and i'm like really <laughs> I feel like I'm kind of crushing it. And it's I like, am no, crushing I'm, it, I'm, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, on Instagram. Maybe I should yeah. do something productive. Uh, yeah. So well, great, great answer. All right, and our last question is from Australia. This is from, well, ugh, I shouldn't have said that. This is from Matt Crudy. It could be New Zealand. As Americans, we can't tell the difference in the accent. So I just I just previewed the question. I was like, oh, he's clearly Australian, <laughs> but maybe it's maybe it's New Zealand. He could be Kiwi. G'day, Mike and Eddie. This is a rad podcast, but everyone here knows that already. So moving on. I um, I'm Grudy, <laughs> by the way, from Geelong, which is about an hour out of Melbourne, Australia. Yes, yes. And before Get I in. launch into my question, I do want to uh, thank you guys for a funny moment that happened due to your podcast. Um, it was when Eddie was telling a story about his band breaking up and um, one of the members, might have been the singer, I can't remember, but one of the members rang his mum, told him the news of the breakup <laughs> and his mum goes, mm, yes, it's probably for the best. And I just <laughs> lost it. I was driving at the time, drinking my coffee and I, no kidding, spat coffee all over the windscreen and had to pull over and clean it up. So thank you for that moment, Eddie. That was hilarious. And uh, Mike, you're just you're just a funny bastard most of the time. So good on you. Um, my question is about procrastination. I am a drum teacher, probably like a lot of your uh, listeners, and I procrastinate when it comes to filming lessons and doing all the camera stuff, the, the stuff I know I love when I get into it, but I, instead of getting straight into it and filming and just 
yeah, I procrastinate. So <laughs> I'm sure it's pretty common, but yeah, an hour will go by and I feel like I've just been <clears throat> tinkering and noodling around in my drum studio instead of pressing record and getting into it. So just wondering if you guys have ever experienced, well, I'm sure you have experienced procrastination, but procrastinating before the things you love and you know you want to do and you know you have to get done. I'd like to know if that still comes up for you and what tips you may have to get past that. All right. Thanks, guys. Wow. Great question. Um, you know, I think, I mean, basically you just described my entire life. Um, I always, there's never a time where I don't need to get something done, especially filming. So um, because even if I'm not filming a new course for the website, there's so many old courses that need to be refilmed with my new cameras and my current lighting and my new mic setup, and, you know, just revamped. So there's never a time I shouldn't be recording. So why don't I film, you know, 10 lessons a day every day? That's my job. I'm, I'm free to do that. And it's the procrastination. And I think what it comes down to is organization is one of them. Planning is another one. Uh, we have an episode on organization. We have an episode on planning. Clearly, neither of us can do them. So I don't know why we made episodes on those. <laughs> um, but the biggest thing is, and I think maybe, Eddie, this is where you can chime in because I know what you've gone through getting your Patreon page ready when you could have done it three years ago. And here's here's my thought on that, because I've gone through the same thing. You know, we've talked about the tea business um, and starting the matcha company and all this stuff. Why hasn't it happened? It's not procrastination. Sometimes all of the little pieces, all the ducks need to line up in that perfect row in your mind before you pull the trigger. And there's something that tells you, you don't have this all figured out yet. Maybe it's that, you know, like I, I got to film hand speed course six. And it's like, God, I haven't been on a pad in, in a couple of weeks. And mm. it's like, well, I don't want to film a hand speed course where I'm trying to be the authority when I haven't even touched a pad myself. So to film that course, I actually have to start bringing out the pad every single morning before I have my matcha every night before I go to bed. I have to do that for like two weeks so that my hands are in pad shape, which is a different thing than drum set shape, even though I'm playing drums every day. It's different when you're being filmed on a practice pad. And I think that, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but just knowing you as well as I do, getting your new patron page ready, your lessons, it's like, yeah, I know that I want to offer lessons to the world, but it all has to make sense all the way down mm -hmm. to the naming of the tiers. It all mm -hmm. has to make sense before I just kind of trickle into this thing without full on commitment. Yeah, definitely. That's what I've realized, man. Like procrastinate. I, I thought I was procrastinating about the membership for so long and I, I haven't been, it just hasn't, it, I haven't, like you said, everything hasn't lined up perfectly and it needs to. It's right. like the reason why I didn't do it a year and a half ago, two years ago in, in full lockdown is because I didn't want to, do you know what I mean? Like I just yeah. didn't want, I didn't even want to play drums myself. Sometimes I was confused. I was, you know, stressed about loads of things that everyone else was. So it's so true. I think sometimes with procrastination, it's like, it's easy to be like, oh, I'm just procrastinating. I know I should do it. But sometimes there's a valid reason. What you said about the whole hand speed course is the perfect example. It's like, yeah, maybe I should turn the camera on and teach some drum lessons. I know a lot of people want to see it and I want to do it. But when was the last time I practiced something? <laughs> do you know what I mean? When was the last yeah. time I learned something new and I went through the process myself? So I think, um, I think there's, I think you've got to look a little bit deeper because there's definitely going to be 
one reason or a few reasons as to why you're not doing it. And it doesn't just come down to, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just being a little bit, I'm just procrastinating. There's always going to be something that you need to do or, or tackle yourself. So you, so you actually do it. I think that one thing that can help with this for all of our listeners out there, and it has helped me and just started recently is it comes down to the planning. And what I've had to realize is that, you know, I, I basically uh, just went and did, I mean, I, you know, but the world doesn't know, but you know, Amber and I went and did our little trip to Carmel where we just unplug. I don't, cause we knew camp season was coming up, which basically means for 20 weeks, 10 weeks on 10 weeks off. I'm just, kind of checked out i'm full Mm. camp season mode so we we take our little vacation well we're on day three there and this is my heaven this is my happiest place in the world i love this place everyone goes to bed at 7 p.m like the whole town (laughs) shuts down at 6 30 everyone's in bed by seven everyone's just old and and they love dogs so it's just heaven for me Mm -hmm. day three rolls around and i still haven't come around to enjoying the time there and amber's like you good? You know, we're taking our walk around our favorite areas and on the beach. And I'm like, no, I'm honestly kind of, I'm just, I'm not in a good place. I'm just depressed. Mm. And she's like, why? And I was like, I'm so unproductive right now. And I don't know what to do about it. Like I have 12 hours a day by myself in a dream studio. And Mm -hmm. some days I come home and I haven't done shit. And I know I don't cuss on this podcast, but that's just the flat out truth. Like I haven't done shit all day long. And I think I have, but you know, once again, I'm like, wait, how is my battery dead on my phone? I've never had a dead battery on my phone. It's like, well, cause you've been on your phone all freaking day, bro. And yeah, maybe I went over to the drums and I tried out some camera angles, but I just really basically waffled the whole time. And so what we, what we realized was that my productivity shouldn't be judged by did I get a course done? It's did I move anything forward for the website? If so, that is productivity. Did I move anything forward personally for myself as a musician? Meaning, did I get any practice time in? That should be counted as being productive. I practiced, legitimately practiced, not Mm. played. Did I get anything done for my family? Yeah, I came home today at two instead of staying at work all day. I came home at one or two for lunch with the family. And so we started putting all these things together. And then basically she made me start making a checklist that at every night and then she goes over it with me. Like, what are you getting done tomorrow? And it's got a little bit of stuff for the Mike's Lessons family. It's got a little bit of stuff for social media because I'm not going to pretend like that stuff's not real. It is real. I have to feed that beast to keep the career that I want. It's got a little bit of stuff for my endorsements. Like, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to take one great picture of my in-ears tomorrow so that 64 Audio knows I'm in it with you guys. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I just make this checklist and then... Amber goes over with me at night and she's like, okay, that looks, that looks accomplishable. And by the way, that checklist has times on it. So it's like at 11, I do this and I'm giving myself 90 minutes to take one picture for 64 audio. And I'm sure everyone's like, that's silly. You don't understand how many pictures I will take of my (laughs) in-ears. Then I have to go through them all. Then I have to choose the real one. Then I have to Mm -hmm. edit it. Then I have to resize it. It it does take 90 minutes to get what I want and the level of perfection that I want it to be at. But it's like, okay, cool. But I got that done. And so, Matt, I think it comes down to planning and then basically what we both said, which is realizing that procrastination sometimes is saving you from doing something you're not ready to do. And it, it doesn't mean like like hand, when I say handspeed course six, I always think that everyone knows everything. It goes up to handspeed course like 15. Handspeed course six is not difficult for me to play. 
It's that my hands aren't in pad shape, which is on camera a different thing. There's a fluidity to someone that's been playing a lot of pad that I don't have unless I'm playing a lot of pad. So it's like, yeah, I'm fast enough to do this. But the procrastination is because I know in the back of my head, yeah. as soon as I see that footage, I'm going to be like, God dang, I look like I look, I look like somebody gaff tape <laughs> sticks to my forearms. <laughs> like I just look so stiff. So anyways, it's so true. Uh, it's sorry so for true. the two SH bombs, kids. No, mate, it's great. I think people are going to be driving going, yes, mate, I heard it. <laughs> it's like seeing a unicorn, mate. It's, it's great. It's like winning the lottery, man. You might, have, you might have crashed some cars right then, to be honest with you. Um, but, mate, it's true. I think that's that's honestly been one of my biggest lessons of like 2020 to, 2000, to up until now. Like since lockdown, really. It's like sometimes you just think, oh, yeah, I'm just being silly or whatever. But actually it's like... You've got to prepare for these things, man. You've got to be in the right headspace. Whatever you're doing right now, you can't do that anymore. That is yeah. so loud. What? what? Are you dusting your desk? Can you hear that? <laughs> Bro, it's like... Can you hear that there? Yes, it sounds oh like my God. DJ Scribbles over there. <laughs> I have to cut it out of Matt Crudy's question. I, uh, I, uh... I can't... <laughs> I can't hear that. That's weirding me out. What else can you hear that I can't hear? Oh, God. That, that's the only one. Um, okay, I, but I thought I literally I when Matt Crudy was asking his question, you were doing that, but I didn't see you doing that. I thought he was like writing down, like I thought he was writing God. in his journal. Like, Mate, I've got my so I've got both ears in. I can't hear anything apart from my voice. Oh, I'm paranoid now. I feel like people are going to be, be hearing my lips and my drinking and all that kind of stuff. But um, but anyway, man, like procrastination <laughs> is sometimes just like yes, yeah, it's, it's your it's yourself giving yourself an excuse. You know, like sometimes yeah. you just aren't ready. I remember going to Mike's camp um, and I, I walked away and I was like, yeah, I needed this this to happen. I also need the UK drum show. I also need like the live podcasting uh, tour to happen before I can actually launch this membership. And uh, sometimes you don't know what it is that you need, but some, you know, over time, something or someone will say something and you'll go, okay, that's what I needed to hear. That's what I needed to do. Yeah. So um, yeah, we all go through it, man. We all go through it. hundred percent. So Matt, Carlos, Adam, thank you guys so much for the questions. For the rest of you that would like to ask a question, you can always, always just, um, well, basically I will ask for them on the Patreon page. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash drum with Mike and Eddie. Sign up to become a Patreon and support this podcast. It means more to us than you know. We talk about it a lot outside of the podcast, but we're always blown away by your support and it, it does matter. It matters a lot. So thank you very much. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. It is so good to be back. Very happy to be back with you guys. Now I'm going to go play my one of 30 river Cypress kit and just go play some damn drums. Are you going to play the yeah. snare? Honestly, a bro. That snare is, it sounds so good and it looks so good. It's never okay. leaving the case. Right, I absolutely love it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not been in the snare. No way. <laughs> All right, everybody, have an amazing day. Thanks again for listening. If you don't want to become a patron, we understand, but you could just rate and review this podcast. That helps other drummers find this podcast. But until then, episode 84 or 83 or 85, because I don't remember. Bosch. It's in the Bosch. <laughs> <laughs> Later, everybody. Oh, well, see you in a bit.